Welcome back to 52 and 52, a podcast where we watch at least one movie a week for every week in the year and do an episode about it. Uh, this week's episode is about an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power, the uh, aptly titled sequel to Al Gore's Oscar-winning 2006 documentary about climate change. Uh, Anthony's taking the week off this week, and I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to the climate change thing, but I saw the movie and I wanted to talk about it, and I figured I'd be a good idea to talk about it with uh, someone I know and who knows a lot more about climate change than I did. So I invited my friend uh, Sydney Weiss to join me. Sydney, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Josh. All right. And like I said, Sydney is uh, pretty fairly well-versed in the climate change thing for someone who is also a, a, a lawyer like me, and science isn't exactly their field, but she's made this something that uh, means a lot to her, and she's a lot more educated about this than I am. And uh, Sydney, I've never been, like I said, I hadn't even seen An Inconvenient Truth before today, and I wanted to kind of learn a little bit myself. And it wasn't that I was ever someone that was like a climate change denier, but I, I, I just know absolutely nothing about science. I uh, like in, in high school. Like I mean, I, I I was a nerd in high school. I got A's and stuff, but like science was like the thing I hated the most. <laughs> and I, 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 my it was always the lowest of my grades, and it was just always such a challenge. So once I became a little bit more aware of global warming and climate change, I I was just like. I don't know shit about science. These these other people, these scientists, know more than me. I just trust they know what they're doing, and I I never spent that much time thinking about it. And I I mean I think I I, I kind of owed it to myself and to be a little bit more informed on this thing. So I wanted to come see these movies, and it's interesting that this the timing for this sequel was uh, a little funny, given that they filmed a lot of this when a lot of progress is being made in with climate in the in, under Barack Obama's administration and. Um, I think they'd already filmed a lot of this movie when uh, w- when the 2016 election happened, so they had to do a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a rejiggering of things at the end, for lack of a better term of it. But c- can you uh, first explain to me, as again someone that doesn't know a lot about this, uh, what ha- in, in the 11 years since an inconvenient truth came out? Um, w- would you say it was pretty spot on as what was going to happen for what they said there and what what about the timing of this sequel kind of how how that kind of bore out a lot of what Al Gore tried to convey in the first movie um so I haven't seen the first movie in quite some time but I remember when the first one came out I think it was 2006 Mm -hmm. I was really interested by it and I saw the movie and I remember there was an accompanying book that came out with it Mm -hmm. and I had the book and I remember flipping through it and thinking wow this is awesome This is a ton of information, but I don't have a science background either. Uh, You and I both went to law school. So when you go to law school, you don't expect science to be there at all. So I, like you, some of it totally went over my head, at least the Mm science-wise, the science aspect of it. But there's a whole social component to climate change. And so what's really interesting is you look at kind of Al Gore's trajectory over the last 10, 11 years and Mm -hmm. how he has sort of become more accepted within this community um, of activists and politicians and really wanting to understand what we can do uh, to really save our planet and ensure that we have a future here. So would you say, would you say at the time the first movie came out that there was other, like people were a little skeptical about him? Is that what you're saying? Like, does, who's this politician? Does he really know about it? Like, what is he, why is this guy trying to talk science to us basically? Well, Al Gore has been at this since the eighties and maybe even before. So he's had a long history, um, with climate change being a huge issue that he's lobbied and advocated for and around, but look at the timing. I mean, 2006, 
Bush was president. Uh, we have a totally different um, outlook on climate change and what our role is in it. And so fast forward to 2015 in the UN uh, Paris Climate COP21 and Barack Obama is president. I mean, it was a real opportunity for the United States and throughout Obama's presidency too, but a really, a real concrete opportunity for us to sort of do something big and to sort of take the lead. And so I think it's really fascinating in the movie to sort of see what kind of took place at COP21 that December in 2015. And they don't show a ton about Obama, but I mean, if you know the politics around it and what was going on at the time, I mean, this is a president who was for climate change and believed that this was the biggest uh, issue facing our generation and probably still is. Um, and so it's just a totally different environment. And then you sort of fast forward to what we're dealing with today. We have a president who is a big time climate denier and look at he, who he put in charge of the EPA. And it's a totally different climate. And they really tried to reflect that, I think, at the end of the movie, especially. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's a totally different set yeah. of circumstances that we're living in right now. And I think that makes the release of the film even more important because, I mean, every time I've seen, I've seen the movie twice. So both times I've seen it, the movie theater has been, has been packed. I don't know what your experience was, but out in California it was, it was pretty packed. And so I think it, maybe it's demographics and the state I'm in, but, um, I, I think people are really interested and they really want to know what it is that they can do uh, to help. Right. Well, I think that's, and, and I, I think the point about the timing of the movie also at, at this point, right after the Obama presidency is kind of interesting because it almost makes it a little more important for people that want to try and make a difference on the issue to over these next three years specifically, because correct me if I'm wrong, the way it works when you actually pull out of something like the Paris agreement, like Donald Trump did, it won't actually become effective until what the day after the 2020 election. Yeah. It's so, literally the day after. So yeah, like if, if a different, if a, a president with a different stance on climate change gets elected, he could, kind of reverse course on that pretty quickly before a, totally. a ton of damage is done. But that being said, I think the next you'd still hope the next three years would people would take advantage of that time to educate themselves and try and like make a little more of a difference. And it's a little interesting what you said about your theater, because that, that was almost where I wanted to start talking about it was just um, – the, the geography of it and where you saw it in California, people obviously were pretty invested in the issue. And here mm -hmm. in South Florida, I was one of maybe four people in my theater on Thursday night. Big difference. Uh, yeah. Big and uh, I, but ironically enough is that I think one of the big differences between the first movie and the second movie is the, a lot of the reaction in the first movie, I think it was a little easier maybe for skeptics just to br like brush it off when it's like they show these graphics, which are pretty scary. Uh, it's like, oh, here's what uh, if, if these if these ice caps melt, here's what it'll look like in 50 years, here's what it'll look like in 100 years, and people are like, well, that's so far away. I, I, I how do how do I how can I actually know that's what you mean? And this the, the I think the biggest change in this movie is that a lot of the first movie is Al Gore at one of these trainings that he does all around the world, um, which uh, which um, Sydney has been to one of these, but he's, he's explaining it and recruiting other people to become more knowledgeable on the issues, but. A lot of it, less time is spent on that. While there is still some of that in the in, in, in an inconvenient sequel, uh, a lot of it's spent with him on the ground. Either, like you said, mm -hmm. at the at the, at the Paris um, at the Paris meetings, 
or also in South Florida, about 60 miles north south of where I'm sitting right now, where just after, I don't even think it was after like a hurricane or something. It was just after a bad rainstorm. He's just slogging through Miami in rain boots with, in, in knee-deep water. And it's like, wow, so it's only been 11 years, not 50 years since that happened, and look how this is happening. So it's, I think California is on much higher ground than Florida totally. is. And so and here, down here, back here in Florida is where people are obviously maybe not quite as invested in the issues as it was to this point. I think that's one of the important things that that movie did was not only showed like, oh, by the way, like uh, here's some more charts about how we were right and how the th- things are moving. It actually went really close up and showed what some of the effects of and all the different things that have happened in just since the last movie came out. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I think the scenes in Florida were pretty powerful. I mean, just walking through the streets and you're knee deep in water. I mean, you don't expect that. And they show the fish swimming basically on the street. I was like, uh, you don't, that's not something you see every day. And so what I thought was great, like you just said about this movie, about the sequel was they show him on the ground. They show him, um, in Thailand, they show him in Paris, they show him, um, surveying the glaciers and just the impact of climate change with, um, you know, the ice caps melting. I mean, it was really, um, I thought those images were a lot more powerful than just the statistics and the graphs. Mm -hmm. But I also think they included that because that is sort of, that's really Al Gore's hallmark, uh, is his slideshow. And like you said, I did go to one of his trainings. I went in March in Denver, Colorado. And I mean, his slideshow is like, is magnificent, magnificent. And he updates it literally up to the minute before he gives the presentation. And they do show that in the film. Um, and so he comes out on stage. I remember one day and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm a little late, but I had to update the slides, <laughs> the most recent slides. And I just had to show these images to you. So it's a lot of science, but it's a lot of passion and his mm-hmm. passion. When you see him in person, I think it comes through, Uh, even more than it did in the movie, but you're right. I do think it was more, much more powerful to show those scenes of him on the ground rather than just the slideshow. Yeah. And they showed, and they showed some of the uh, glaciers breaking off in an inconvenient truth, but then, and they showed some footage of Antarctica and Greenland, but here they actually showed him there. I guess he did go to those places, but they shot it a little differently in an inconvenient sequel where you're actually seeing him like walk over all these different places and, I mean, it showed the dedication that he had to the film and uh, showing how it had kind of gone in that direction. And so the movie does a lot of that, and then it goes back to – it has some stuff of him going back to his home in Tennessee, but then it goes right to Paris, and that's kind of like a point where the movie keeps going back and forth from between other stuff and then back to Paris throughout. And that that was the other example of him being on the ground, was just not just actually going and – observing the 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 effects of climate change but then actually doing stuff at the paris meetings it was funny because he doesn't have an official position within our government anymore i mean he, no. and he it's it's pretty cool to see that like he's i mean I, I i he had so much trouble i guess getting a lot of this stuff off the ground in the 90s he, he talks about how he's gone to congress multiple countless times and never really done a t- just could never really get anything done even when he was vice president because there's so much hesitancy to really accept some of this stuff and then here, he doesn't actually have a position within the government, but he's like brokering massive deals with India and stuff like that. Just Huge deal. From, from like an yeah. apartment just to affect, affect their carbon emissions and stuff like that. So it was, it was funny to see how he's he's worked so hard to put himself in a position where he can just be brokering these deals without actually being in an official – working in an official capacity at the U.S. government. He's, he's making – affecting a lot of change just on his own. 
Yeah. And I think what was really cool about that scene that you're talking about with India Mm -hmm. and how he calls the guys at Solar City and it's like, we need to break the impasse. I mean, I didn't, and I had followed COP21 extremely closely. I didn't know that he had that type of demonstrative role in making, in making that happen. And so I thought how cool that the rest of the world has the opportunity now to see the type of role that he plays that I don't think any of us really know about. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you haven't seen the original film in a while, but I mean, I guess, I guess basically a lot of this movie is explaining how like the science has been backed up. Like everything that he conveyed in the first movie, it's, it's pretty much gone the same way. There's like these stats in the first movie where it's like 14 out of the last 15 years have the, have been the hottest years on record. 14 of the 15 hottest years ever have been, or, have ever have occurred in the last 15 years or something like that with the hottest being in 2006. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, it's like, I guess the talk he was giving that they were filming was in 2015. He's like 15 of the last hottest years, 15, of the hottest years ever on record have occurred in the last 16 with the hottest being 2015. So everything that he's saying in that first one then comes through. But I think one of the biggest parts that I was thinking as I'm watching this is this makes sense to me. It seems like pretty obvious. He's laying out countless fact after fact after fact after fact. But uh, these are facts that are still denied by a large segment of our population, including our president, as you mentioned earlier. And I'm just thinking this is all great. I'm, I'm understanding this. I'm informing myself. I'm learning. I'm glad I'm doing this. But is this really going to matter a whole lot if you can't like teach other people about it? And I know that's what part of the trainings are about. That's why I was glad it got the movie got to the point where it went to that it went to this place called Georgetown, Texas, uh, mm-hmm. where it's a city in Texas you've never heard of. And if there's a city in Texas you've never heard of, odds are it is a very, <laughs> very, very conservative city, and probably uh, you would think probably has a bunch of climate change deniers. But this this one right th- this city happened to have a mayor that I don't know if it totally explained how he came to that conclusion. I guess the guy was just looking for ways to make his city a little more economically viable, but he turned their entire city – he put their entire city on renewable energy. And, I mean, even though it's a city I never heard of, it was – I guess they said in the movie it's the, now the largest city to be 100 percent on renewable energy in the country. I, the one thing I would have liked more from in this movie was more on how to bring about more Georgetown, Texas. And what is your understanding yeah. of, like – how we get to there because they only spent about three minutes with this guy and i mean it was a he's a funny character he's like a cpa and he's he even calls himself the super conservative republican but he's legitimately (laughs) excited to meet al gore which is kind of funny and what can you what, what do you think can be done to like actually find more guys like that mayor you know or convert them to his way of thinking well what i thought was so interesting about talking with the mayor in georgetown texas was that you took this is something that he that i remember al gore talked about at the training which not to get too political, but something I really resonate with, which is that climate change is really not a liberal issue and it's not a conservative issue. It's a humankind issue. It's a, it's a worldwide issue that transcends political barriers. Well, that's and so what it, by that's, showing, what sh- that's what it should be. It's just not really what 100%. it is in America. <laughs> right. But the point is, is that by showing this mayor in Georgetown, Texas, you're showing someone who is on the other end of the political spectrum, right? He, he really identifies himself as a conservative Republican. He states that in the movie, just like you said. But he is approaching renewables from a common sense perspective. It's what's going to save his... Uh, constituents, the people who live in his city, a ton of money. It just makes the most sense. And I think that sort of message needs to be conveyed more, that this isn't about, maybe for some people, that this isn't about reducing um, the amount of pollution we put into the atmosphere. It's not about carbon. It's it's really got to be about, this makes the most economical sense. It's going to save you money. There is no harm by putting solar panels. I mean, maybe it's about approaching it from that perspective as opposed to 
um, you know, the way that a lot of, a lot of politicians or a lot of, um, individuals approach it, which is coming from the carbon is bad, uh, which it is, but, you know, I think that kind of puts, I think that is kind of off putting to some people. Um, and so I think by kind of showing it from a common sense perspective and this, even though they only spent about three to five minutes with this yeah. guy in the movie, I thought that that was sent a really powerful, that sent a really powerful message. The other thing is this, is that the problem with not getting a lot of people on board with renewable energy, it has a lot more to do with the fact that people don't really see this as a money-making opportunity. They don't see it as an opportunity to bring about more jobs. They see it as something that's taking away jobs. But solar, wind, renewables in general, they they produce more job growth, more job opportunity than the coal industry is going to in the future. So I think by approaching it in that perspective, too, it's going to take a while to get people really on board with that message. But I really think that was part of their angle with including that in the movie. Yeah, so I mean, that, and I get maybe that's the one thing. Like, I, I mean, it seems like a lot of the trainings are obviously about teaching about the science and how to talk about the science, but I guess that's the best way you'd have to go about it if you're just trying to talk. Like, I agree what you're saying, but like I'm saying, but I agree what you're saying about it not being a conservative liberal issue, but it's turned it's turned into that a little bit to some extent in this country. So, is would you say that the one thing I think the movie could have even shown of the trainings, or maybe it's something he has incorporated into his training, is just how would someone how how would you go up and approach a climate change denier? Like, is that part of what they do at those trainings? And how yeah. how, how how do you go, like what's the quickest way you go to like explaining that to someone is in, in getting them to think like that mayor does and and explaining that about the jobs i mean do you just have to go at it from like more of a common sense angle and try and not get too scientific i guess i don't know well there's a couple things that they they talk about at the trainings which i think is interesting um if i remember correctly there are different types of denial okay there are the people that say this is just not happening there's no such thing as climate change there's no such thing as global warming Hmm. then you have the people that say okay but this is a natural cause it has nothing Hmm. to do with mankind um there are all different types of denial, but it's about approaching that climate denier from the place that they're at. So, um, I remember at the training, they talked a lot about like, how do you answer the question of why you should care about climate change and incorporating your own personal story and how it's something that's affected you, or, um, you can wrap it up in some type of values narrative, um, and just trying to find a way to sprinkle facts about climate change throughout sort of the story that you're giving. It's about kind of meeting people where they are. So if I have, if someone comes up to me and says, well, climate change isn't real, we have no impact on it, you know, rather than hitting this person with a ton of facts, that's just going to make them more defensive. I think you really have to approach it from, okay, well, what's, what is he, what is his concern? If it's jobs, we'll talk about job growth and we need to come up with more creative ways to create jobs and maybe we can center that around different forms of energy and wouldn't it be great if you had a job opportunity where it doesn't impact your health or the health of the environment and just kind of approaching these people from where they're at versus hitting them with a ton of facts and i guess the other thing you can do is just uh and what, what probably did it for a lot of those people in Texas is it come at it from an angle of like their pocketbooks and their wallets. Mm-hmm, and totally. I guess that was a, a large part of what did it for that mayor was that he was just like, I, I'm saving like every, everyone in my town, a bunch of money on their utility bill. So you don't even have to try and like talk to, talk to someone that's a denier about 
why they are what what's try and give them a science lesson because that might just make them tune out but just be like how would you like to save 20 bucks a month or something like right. that because I, I mean i guess that's just another way of approaching it which i mean is pretty interesting and that and like I, and it shouldn't have been the whole movie like being like oh here there's reformed conservatives i i don't think that really makes for a that probably doesn't make for the best kind of movie but i you could have like i i think it would have been cool to like actually interview a few more people in that town and i would have liked to have like actually seen what they what they thought five years ago versus what they thought now because uh i think that's obviously like if we're gonna if, if anything is gonna if there's any progress is to be made uh under the current uh compilation of our government it, it's probably gonna be it's probably gonna be through reaching uh people like that you know yeah i think so too and i think also talking to people from I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but a values perspective, um, you know, we, it's about creating the security that we need today to ensure that we have a legacy for future generations. And I think for a lot of people that will really resonate with them. They really understand that it's about our values. It's about wanting to have an environment that's livable for our children, our grandchildren. It's not just about politics. It's not just about money. It's really a value-based issue too and i and i I do kind of like how um i think al gore kind of recognizes that point a little bit too because in the movie it shows him it shows him like going to talk to chris hayes yeah (laughs) which is a funny scene because i like that scene because like chris chris hayes is like look we mean we're having like the vice former vice president on like we got to ask you about this election he's and and we're gonna do like three segments and al gore is like can one of them be on climate and he's like sure sure like what we got to talk about the election he's like all right but like one of them has to be on climate and he says it like four times in like 30 seconds like making sure like there's one on climate because he's he knows he knows what they're going to come at him with yeah yeah yeah, he knows they'll want to like get him on the air air, like giving some kind of like controversial quote about trump or something like that but he at the same time is like making sure that he keeps it separate like within chris hayes's show like i i like i want to have this be its own thing separate from the 2016 election which i think is kind of a telling thing because I mean, I think even in the last like eleven years, the, the make, while a lot of the same cable news networks that dominate the airwaves now were around then, I think um, it's it's I mean, just media consumption has become like an even bigger thing through a lot of different types of outlets. So to show how he, I, I enjoyed seeing how he navigated that because that wasn't exactly something that in- inconvenient truth touched on. So I thought it was cool that this movie did address that as well, and because I mean, he is obviously like the face of this whole thing. I mean, not just for mm-hmm. the sake of a movie, but I mean, for the sake of a whole entire effort to educate people, you know? Yeah. And I think that was important to include in this movie too, because the social landscape has changed. The political landscape has changed. I mean, everything has changed so much in 11 years mm-hmm. that I think it was really important to show that too. And just to show how he sort of navigates those waters. But the, the other thing I want to say, like, I mean, is that, I, I mean, I think, I didn't totally. I hadn't really educated myself on Al Gore his whole career before this. I, I was obviously a little. Na- I was honestly a little naive, and I thought this was what he took it upon himself to do once he lost in two thousand. And he's like, "I'm just going to make this my thing." I didn't. I did not know about like the. In inconvenient truth, it talks about how he first started learning about climate change, like in grade school, basically when like a science mm-hmm. teacher talked about like measuring atmospheric levels, and he um. And like he and how he just kind of went at it throughout his time at Congress. Like I said earlier, didn't make a lot of. Um, didn't make a lot of uh, progress, but I it almost gave me like m- like more respect for him to like realize that he chose to do this after losing in two thousand, 
knowing how much of a struggle it had already been previously, you know, like that's what I think that is what get, has to make you have a lot of respect for someone where it's like, it's not like he just like sat back after losing in 2000 is like, what am I going to do with my life? How about this issue? He's like, I'm going to stick with right. an issue that like, I've had so much trouble actually getting any traction with and like keep doing it, which I think gives you a lot of insight into both his personality and just how passionate he actually is about this, that it wasn't like he just took it up as a pet project just to stay in the public eye once he didn't become president, you know? Yeah, no, and I agree. And I think what a lot of people, like what you said, don't realize is that he has been advocating for this issue for over 30 years. And this is something that he's dedicated his life to. And of course, as he, um, you know, was vice president and then ran for president, I mean, of course, that gave him the platform um, and sort of the notoriety to have the platform to speak on these issues and um, for people to really listen to what he has to say about it. But like you said, I mean, when he lost in 2000, I feel like he really uh, took this issue and, and really ran with it and made it made it really his entire life's purpose at that point. And I think to see the trajectory that he's gone on and the development of the climate reality project and, um, is that the, the name training. of is that is that is that his organization the climate that's reality his, project yeah that's his organization right, okay. uh, the climate reality project um, and the trainings that they host they host three train about three trainings every year um, they host something called twenty four hours of reality uh, which they talked about a little bit in the movie um, they've done live earth before so all the things that he's done to bring even more awareness around the issue since two thousand I think is really really commendable yeah i didn't know that he actually like had a i mean I, i'm not going to call it a business i guess just an organization like an office that he went to every day like I, I i just thought well he he gives talks and he uh and he'll he did the first movie and then he started doing the second movie it's like it's a group that he actually it's cool that you actually saw like their internal meetings and how they're like always with them it's just like the equivalent of like the team like a politician would have walking around with them but yeah. now, he, now he has it devoted to a specific issue i i i, I that's what i'm saying is i guess while I respect how hard he's worked at it, even after losing in 2000, I didn't completely comprehend that it actually was his like day-to-day life, which is yeah. – uh, I mean like, I, I just didn't quite realize it was on that level because, I mean, you could still do trainings and film a couple of documentaries and do a bunch of other stuff with your life, but it's actually what he's doing on a full-time basis. So, I mean, that's um, – yeah, it, it, that, that's one thing that movie also pretty – uh, gets across pretty well if someone i mean i'm sure that like there's some very cynical people because they showed the foot they showed the footage too of again of like the the different congressmen who in the early 2000s like said that like he, he's he's going crazy he's just making a bunch of stuff up and all this kind of stuff and it's like what why would someone like devote their whole life to making stuff up like it's if it's, it'd be one thing like not that it would be a valid criticism but if like he came out with the movie that was like, oh he just wants the attention that comes with the movie then you can't really say that then if someone's actually going like in and out of the office every day basically to work on the same thing <laughs> yeah and if you follow some of the press around the movie he was hesitant to make a second movie um and based upon interviews i've read he almost sort of had to be convinced to do the second movie and so i think he wants it to, to be more about the issue rather than about him um, which I think plays a little bit of a role in it too. Um, but yeah, he has a whole organization. Um, they do a lot of great work across the world because he doesn't just host the trainings in the United States. Um, he does them abroad as well. And so it's really about recruiting more people to deliver, to deliver the message about climate change. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they show they show him in an inconvenient sequel doing it in the Philippines or something like that. I yeah, guess, I, I guess I, I guess I kind of knew that he did it around 
uh, America because I, I knew that you had gone to one of them, but I didn't under I, I didn't really fully comprehend that he was traveling literally to the opposite end of the world yeah. to do it and I mean I arguably having more success doing it over there than over here with how the how the other countries are kind of ahead of America unfortunately in in, in some ways like that but uh but yes yeah, so, I mean like that that was interesting and um yeah like I mean I I'm, I'm kind of I'm glad I kind of went through this learning experience over the last uh four days uh I mean I feel like I need to be I watched an inconvenient truth today and if I if I'm still living in this in this same city in 20 years that's gonna be even like even more relevant because I live yeah about two miles from the Atlantic Ocean so um yeah I, totally. I, I would hope that more people that live in my area will go see it than the people that were out there on Thursday night um do you think there's anything else that I I, I didn't really cover here I, I you're you're the expert um I don't I, know about expert but <laughs> I would just say it's relevant for everybody I mean um out in California we had a really severe drought mm -hmm. um over the last couple of years and it's lessened up quite a bit but that's something that we struggle with um you see uh, not as much snow in different parts of the country. It's not getting as cold for you in, in South Florida. We talked about not getting cold at all. <laughs> not getting cold at all. I mean, we don't really get any rain out here either where I, where I live. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like it's really an issue that's relevant for everyone and everyone is seeing climate change around them. It, it's really something that's prominent. And I think as the years go on, we're going to, we're going to see it more. I mean, every year at this rate is going to be, um, on track to be the hottest year on record. Ugh. That's just, it's just how it's just the direction that we're going in. Um, but I think, so, that, I think that is a good point. What you said, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but the, okay. the, the thing about just not being a South, like not being like an issue just for people down here. Like our problem might be that like the apartment I'm in right now, like I'm on the second floor, it might be underwater in 50 years. Um, <laughs> but the, but like, because of these different like issues that are caused by like the rising, um, temperatures, the air, like it, it, it doesn't just affect like the water systems in the Gulf or the rising sea levels there. Like they show, they, they show different stats or, and one of the two films. And now I saw them so close together. It's a little hard now to remember what was in okay. what, but like in, in like the, it affects the tornadoes that happen in the Midwest too. You know, it's like yeah. if everyone kind of works together to um, just do their part, like there was one thing how, like when he looked at the glacier levels in an inconvenient truth, he could just tell like the two years after he could just tell where the, like the impact after two years after they passed the clean air act. It's like, obviously it, it's going to take a lot of work to uh, combat climate change completely effectively, but everyone making small changes can have a big effect in the aggregate. And, and that, that, that doesn't just help people that live in very tropical climates or right. uh, coastal climates, if you will, like it'll have an effect on someone in Kansas or someone in uh, middle of Africa, you know? Yeah. And that's the other part I just remembered too, um, about the inconvenient sequel and just the whole, the whole issue of climate change. It's a really a global issue too. I mean, they talked a little bit in the movie about the transfer of virus viruses, Zika via mosquitoes because of the increase in temperature. Uh, they talked a little bit about Syria and just how the extreme drought there, um, and the famine and the crisis that that led to. And of course there are other factors involved in Syria as well, but just talking about how, Climate change is, is not just about our climate. It's about people. It's about our health. Um, it's, it's a refugee issue. Uh, it really transcends um, really all issues that we, we're really dealing with in our modern society. And um, I just really think it's important to take a global 
global position with it and not just, I mean, of course it's important to look at what you can do at home. And that really starts with living a more sustainable lifestyle, recycling, composting, the kind of car you drive, the emissions you're putting out into, to the atmosphere, um, the type of food you eat, what kind of clothes you buy. I mean, it really, it can start at home and it can really be a local issue. Um, but it also, it's extreme, it's incredibly global too. And I think, um, I think this movie tries to show that as well, but I, you know, they're limited in time and limited in how much they can show. And, um, I hope it's opened up a lot of people's eyes just to, just to the impact. I mean, this woman that was sitting next to me last night, I could hear her sort of gasping at different parts of the movie. And I'll admit I cried at certain parts. Both times I've seen that I've cried, um, because it really impacts me on a, on a really deep level. Um, this is an issue that I really want to spend my life and my career really advocating for and working to transform. And so I just want more people to really see it and get involved and realize that there's a lot that they can do locally and at home. Yeah. And if there's anyone listening that thinks like, oh, wow, all this science stuff is boring. As we talked about earlier, we're, we're both uh, we're both law school graduates who obviously in part ended up in law school because this <laughs> fields involving science were not really an option that we pursued <laughs> right away, even if uh, even if city is working in, in in environmental policy and stuff like that. You know, you don't have to be someone with the science background to get something out of this movie. You're still going to grasp a lot of the important parts of it like I did. Like I'm a very, very science-averse person in general, but I still thought that the movie, like Al, Al Gore himself, just does a good job of talking about these things in a way that can actually make them uh, – consumable for a viewer who is um much more a was much more an english person than a science person in school for lack for lack of a better term yeah um, he really takes the science and digests it for everybody and then kind of gives out the layman's terms mm -hmm. um so that everybody can really understand Mm -hmm. Uh, because not everybody is going to want to sit at home and read about the science the way that that he does or a scientist does or an engineer does so so you're right. It's really appeal. It, it's appealing to all audiences. Yeah, and I and I was a little afraid that that wasn't going to be the case at first. Like, I mean, I should have known better. The first movie won an Oscar. It wouldn't have won an Oscar if it uh, <laughs> if it wasn't a good movie. But I was just afraid of that as not being a science person. I was much more engaged throughout the movie than I expected to. I, I, I went into it a little wary, but I'm like, I may as well go see this. I live right across the street from the movie theater. I'm just going to go do it. And I'm and, and I and I'm definitely glad I did. I feel like I have a lot to learn, but I think the movie still does a good job of informing someone that knows very little like I did five days ago. So, um, but yeah, I, I think we, I think we about covered it pretty well. Uh, Sydney, thank you so much again for joining me and helping educate me. Um, uh, you're only adding on to what Al Gore started for my climate change education. Um, uh, uh, is, is, is there anything else, uh, you'd like to promote anything you think people want to go? I mean, I don't, I don't not, I didn't know if you had like a, if you had a blog or any kind of thing you wanted to direct people to or anything like that. Um, I would just say, well, thanks for having me on mm-hmm. your podcast. Yeah. Um, I would say go check out climate reality project, okay. um, .org and just really, just really take a look at what Al Gore and his organization, what they're putting out there. Um, they're teaming up with indivisible guide, uh, to really give people an easy way to really figure out what it is that they can do locally in their own communities, um, to really play a demonstrative role in, in transforming the climate crisis. Um, 
So I would, I definitely would say go there and check it out. All right. Well, uh, p- people go do that. Go, uh, go watch this movie. Uh, as usual, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Josh Jernavoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y. If you, the podcast Twitter feed is, uh, 52 in 52 pod and the podcast email is 52 in 52 pod at gmail.com. So if you have any thoughts about, uh, inconvenient sequel or any other movie related things you want to send our way, feel free to do that. And, uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. I could tell you I was fragile I could tell you I was weak I could write you out a letter Tell you anything you need I've seen minutes turn to hours Hours turn to years And I've seen truth on the power If you could see me The way I see you If you could feel me The way I feel you You'd be a believer You'd be a believer And it's time to hours Hours time